0: We are bike. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Pod. Up, Y'all know who the fuck it is, man? It's the host with the most, Cam, aka the Dynasty Demi. fuck with me you fucking with the best follow me on twitter at cams not sober and i'm not alone i am joined once again by dynasty buck in the flesh andy buckler aka built different buck you can follow him on twitter at andy underscore buckler andy was good
1: What's good, bro? The bonus episode. I had to hit him with the n one one
0: time. The <laughs> one? Hey, speaking of n one bro, you got me in this freaky ass flex basketball league, man. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Hey
1: man, you got you I mean you started off you got Miles Turner
0: though. Hey <laughs> shut the fuck <laughs> up, bro. He was <laughs> bum ass, man. I should've drafted I should have drafted Mr. Flat Earth, bro, Kyrie, brother Kyrie. Man, <laughs> I fuck that pickup. But it's my it's my first startup uh basketball draft, so mistakes were made, mistakes were bound to be made. Let's get into this bonus episode of the pod. We just wrapped up a weekly episode of the Ace of Spades Dynasty pod, but we didn't get an opportunity to talk about a few of the segments. So in this bonus pod, I'm going to roll this into a podcast that Kurt and I are doing in the morning. But first and foremost, we'll finish off the segment slate that we had on the weekly episode that we didn't get an opportunity to finish. So that would be discussing the Ace of Spades Dynasty League Award Races, and talking a bit about auction. You know, Buck, I've turned you into an auction draft fanatic over the past few months of the fantasy football season. And now we're going to get an opportunity to do a rookie auction draft, your first rookie auction draft in Ace of Spades. So... Without further ado, let's jump right into what everyone's been waiting to hear. We had an opportunity to talk about the power rankings in Ace of Spades in the last episode. This episode, we're going to give an update on where we think the award races for Ace of Spades stand currently. Now, we're not going to go through all of the award races. Uh, categories because there are four or five of them this year. We're only going to talk about the main awards. Uh, those two being GM of the year, and the second one being Orphan of the year. So, first and foremost, Buck, this being your first year in Ace of Spades, you know what do you what do you think about the league and what do you think about the dynamic of the league, the personalities we have in the league, the type of league it is, the activity. And some of these awards that we have season-long, year-over-year in Ace of Spades, like, has it been a good experience for you so far? you have any positive or critical feedback that you like to share? What are your thoughts being, you know, a quarter through the season, your first year in the Ace of Spades Dynasty League?
1: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, man. You know, uh, it's not, like, leagues like this aren't, they're not, they're pretty rare, like, a lot of lot, most leagues it's like you draft and that's it no one's talking in the chat no one's active there's not you know you got the awards and stuff you do a really good job of keeping everyone like active and like you know everyone's cool with each other like talking to each other at all times or even over shit that's like not football just like shooting the shit over anything and you know I, i've i've really enjoyed it there's not too many leagues out there like this
0: i appreciate that bro. you know some would call me the goat commish some some have called me that i I don't remember who, but I'm sure somebody has called me that before. I'm I'm a pioneer of sorts, a savant of of commissioning, but that's neither here nor there. But no, I'm I'm glad you've enjoyed your time in Ace of Spades. I've enjoyed having you. I will say, you know, Ace of Spades has been around for a decade, and this is the first time that we've had, you know, so much turnover, uh, especially in one off season. So we have six new GMs in Ace of Spades going into last season, Buck. Nine of the 12 GMs in Ace of Spades have been in the league for at least six years or longer. So um, I didn't really know what to expect this season. Um, and I can say unequivocally, this is the best crop of GMs Ace of Spades has ever had. And for those of you who listen to this podcast, please, once you hear this, once you hear me say this on the pod, as you listen through, comment in the chat and let me know if you agree or disagree. Um, with that statement But I, f- I feel pretty confidently That this is the best group of GMs We've ever had Now I will say Buck A lot of the new GMs we added Are pretty like Like swagless You know what I'm saying Like <laughs> We had some funny motherfuckers In of Spades, Bro like mm-hmm. These dudes were funny as shit And like the personalities That we got in the league now Are a bit more mild With like the exception of you and Tyreek Like the other dudes Like You know Burke is hella funny. Like, I fuck with Burke. Like, he's a really good addition. He's, like, one of my favorite ads, like, this offseason. But, you know,
1: Burke, Burke's white,
0: <laughs> you know? Like, he's, like, real white. So, <laughs> so like, his, his sense of humor is different. But he he gets our jokes. He runs along with our jokes. Like, he gets it. He, he fits into the dynamic really well. But we had some dudes in the league before that were, like, I don't know, man. They were just really funny. They sucked at Dynasty. They added a different element to the league. But it wasn't. You know, um, I don't want to say it wasn't positive from, um, a tactical standpoint, but they just, they just weren't very sharp, you know? And I think one of my, one of my visions for Ace of Spades has always been to have a really good balance of league activity and camaraderie with the league mates, but also have a really strong competitive environment in terms of, you know, team building and competition, um, and I, we really have that, like, really, really have that. And, and there hasn't been too much fall off in terms of the dialogue. But, look, I tell you, if you were in this league, like, last year, a couple of years ago, like, dude, this shit was, like, cracking every day. Like, just the motherfuckers we had in here were just so <laughs> funny, bro. Like, it's hard to describe. It's one of those things where you had to be there. But I'm happy with the changes and the additions we made, but I'm happy to hear the positive feedback from you. So, without further ado, let's get into... The GM of the year race as it stands, we were able to rank the teams that we feel, in our personal opinion, are uh, ranked one through 11. I don't participate in this race, uh, Buck, because let's be real. If I participated in GM of the year, I'd win every fucking year. Um, So this is this is the 11 GMs, not including myself uh, and how we stack them up. So so, Buck, I'll turn this over to you. Why don't you start with the GM that we have ranked number one in the race for GM of the year and why you feel he is number one so far a quarter through the season?
1: Number one, we both agreed, is uh, is V's. And I think the big reason for him is he took over a team that really had nothing. Like, truly one of the worst dynasty teams I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> not even trying to be mean, but for real and uh he he's able he's been able to turn it into some like add some players like he added Hollywood and like do it like he really and and obviously all of his picks he just did so much with so little like like this is like a GM of the year this is an MVP award like that's what you win the MVP for right just doing so much with so little and i think he's he's done that so and he's stuck to his strategy you know he went and bought d4 and sold his picks after 2022 cuz he's all in uh, bought into that 2022 draft and add his to add to his team after that year. So everything he's done has all made sense. And uh, he stuck to one strategy and uh, I think uh, he's the front runner for now.
0: I think so too. I think his, his build and strategy has been very intentional. Like you mentioned, you know, he was willing to go by D four, but not if it took away from everything that he was building towards in the 2022 class. And we could look up and, you know, V's could have a top six team next year. You know, depending on what happens with with this draft and how many players he's able to squeeze out of this auction. We'll talk about you know auction in a bit before we conclude the show. But yeah, I agree. I think it has to be him, man. Just because you know coming into the league with that team, I mean, you don't have to pull any punches. That's that's the. I mean, that's the worst team I've ever seen, and I watched it happen. So I know the state that that team was in, and he's done a really good job, man. And it's it's. It's his first year playing dynasty, so for him to understand like from a high level strategy perspective, like what to do with that team, it's been like super super impressive, bro. Like seriously, and the contrast between him and the last GM that own that team has been like you know pretty 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 outstanding. Um, to see the dichotomy there, so I've been really impressed by him, and I think it's I think he's leading the charge through the first quarter by quite a bit. Um, next on my list, I'll take the next guy because I think you have somebody else at your number two spot, but. Number Two, I actually have you, and for the sake of time, like we won't get into all the transactions um and activity that we use to grade or position these rankings but you know, similarly to V's, I mean, you you came in with a strategy, you stuck to it, and you were able to get some really nice pulls on trades, and you've also hit on a couple waiver wire pickups, which is difficult to do in a dynasty league. So I've been really impressed with your approach. It's been very intentional. You've stuck to your strategy. You made some really sharp plays. I don't think you've caught any L's yet. You know, I was really pushing for you to take an L in that digs trade, partially because <laughs> you didn't trade him to me. He didn't end up on my team. But, you know, after watching Smitty's performance last week, you know, there is some opportunity for him to, to really ascend and turn into a, a staple wide receiver one for your team. And you were able to get some draft capital on top of that. So um, your move has been pretty impressive so far. But, uh, you know, I can't say it's surprising. You know, I invited, I invited you to, to the league for a reason. I knew you were going to handle business, but you're clearly in the top three in this race for me. And since we had different opinions on who the top three were, why don't you take the next guy um, that rounded out your top two?
1: I had uh, Isaiah had two, uh, but just, uh, you know, similar to the other guys, you know, he had a, he, he took over, he really took over a demon. Like as far as uh, uh dynasty value, like he had some guys on there that had crazy dynasty value. He took an approach that I definitely, I would say like, personally I wouldn't have taken if I had that team. Like I wouldn't have went all in with uh, buying some of the assets that he did buy, like some of the aging guys, but it seemed like you know that's what he wanted to do. He stuck to it and went out and just kept at, kept adding to uh like basically all the top like um aging dynasty buys. He went out went out and got it done and uh now he has the top three team. So even though he did have like he, like I said his team was real good from the jump, but he stuck to his strategy, did it, and now he has a team that's set up to compete at least uh, for the next probably two years at least.
0: Yeah, definitely. I th- I think his team's going to be able to compete. For the next few years for sure. I mean, you think of the players he has, you know, Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, these guys might not be peak like top three producers at their positions, uh, Derek Henry Nick Chubb, but you know how this works, man. Like those players are gonna produce enough. Uh, and there there's a finite number of, you know, top twenty options in Dynasty and, and a lot of times those twenty nine, thirty year old guys are still producing at, you know, maybe not one level but two level. So He's going to be around. He he won't be a top 3 team for very long, but he'll he'll be a top 6 team for quite some time. He also has some draft capital in the 2022 draft. And we'll see if he's he's able to squeeze something out of that. But yeah, I agree he's he's top 3. He was third for me. Uh, because I agree with the the strategy uh and builds that UNV's took over, you know what he did. He kind of took the you know, I don't want to say he took the easy I mean, I don't want to say he took the easy way out because I think that's insulting. I think, you know, I I will say it was kind of easy for him to do what he did, like given the the state the league was in. You know, I talked about this in the last podcast, how when Isaiah joined the league, there were only three people trying to contend. Everybody else was doing this like pussyfoot, like rebuild type shit. So it was really easy for him to mortgage away youth and draft picks because that's what everybody wanted in the league at the time, to get those – aging win now pieces you understand what I'm saying
1: no I agree so
0: so it didn't it didn't take a lot of finagling or maneuvering for Isaiah it was very easy for him to get to the point that he was at and he just had he just had such um he had so many moves to make because he had so much value in that roster like Elmo built a top three team in this league which is really really hard to do because this league is is pretty sharp from top to bottom and um yeah you know it was it was you know rapid succession. he 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 flipped all that young talent for you know win down talent, so it is a strategy he stuck to it he did a really good job um with that strategy it's just not one that I necessarily agree with um so he he's third for me um and u n v s had to do you guys were able to do a lot more with a lot less uh honorable mentions because we're not gonna go through all eleven of these guys we have Burke right outside the top three. I talked about this on the last podcast as well. My reservations with Burke and why he's outside the top three in terms of the GM of the year race is just because like I don't really know what he I don't really know what he's doing. Like I don't I don't really know what the strategy is or what it's going to be tomorrow. Um and and you know uh you know for the people who are familiar with the Bible, there's a Bible verse or part of a Bible I'm not a I'm not a Bible reader myself, but I've heard this before. It says in the Bible to lean not to your own understanding. right? And that means you don't got to fucking understand everything. So (laughs) I don't have to understand Burke's strategy, but I can in good faith put him ahead of some of these other guys I mentioned before him. uh, Just because his strategy doesn't really align with anything I've ever seen like with somebody inheriting an orphan. I've never seen anybody ping pong back and forth with strategies like that. So he's kind of outside looking in of this race right now, even though when he first came in the league and we first did award race updates, I think it was week one, he was my one or two. And then he kind of did this like hedging win now shit. And I just, he he lost me. So um, he's on the outside looking in for me next. I got Rio here at number five because, you know, the other guys in the league haven't really made much shake and Rio, you know, had a vision for what he wanted to do this year and, and he kind of switched it up and stuck to that and sent some first round picks for some players that are gonna really help him, you know, score some fantasy points over the next couple seasons. And I think the trades that he made have, you know, returned dividends. I think he's he's won those trades based on his strategy. Um last guy that I want to mention before we move on from this segment and get into the auction discussion, rounding out the top six is Chris. And I really think it's important to give Chris praise here because prior to this season, Buck, you would have thought that Chris was probably one of the GMs that was going to be fucking kicked out of Ace of Spades, bro, due to the activity and moves that he made with his roster. Chris was somebody who took a really long time to grasp the concept of Dynasty, but I think he's done a really, really, really good job this past summer and understanding what it takes to build a sound dynasty roster, and he dug himself into such a hole. But although the moves he's made to fix his team have been incremental, he's done a really good job with picking a strategy and sticking to it and kind of retooling his roster and trying to squeeze out value where he could. So he's in the top six for me, and I'm really looking forward to seeing, you know, how he can turn this thing around with some of the players that he has on his team.
1: No, I agree for sure. I I like a lot of the moves he made. He he went after a lot of, you know, a lot of good young players, even in the draft, he drafted a lot of players I like that we both like. So I think his team could definitely improve in the next couple of years if he keeps making moves like that.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. All right, let's wrap that up. We're not going to talk about the orphan of the year because when I was looking through the GM of the year race, I realized (laughs) that five of, you know, every, every orphan outside of AFLO is in the top five, so... The Orphan of the Year shit is, like, the same. Like, we'll try to make it so the GM of the Year and the Orphan of the Year isn't the same person, but it's it's whoever y'all vote. But that would be cool if, I don't know, those flip. I don't know how you can separate the two, but, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, Any final thoughts on the GM of the Year race, Uh, Buck?
1: No, I think uh, I think you said it all. The only thing is that you said about the same person. We got to make it like an MVP and offensive player of the year. They usually all they split it and give it to the position player.
0: <laughs> yeah, no bullshit. <laughs> yeah, we got to we got to figure out some different criteria for those awards because we'll have uh you know one go to you know there's gonna be a couple a few of you guys that's, that's really deserving of that. So we'll split it up. We'll figure out a way. Anyway, let's talk some auction, man. We were asked, you know, by. None other than the aforementioned Chris to talk a little more about auction. So I really struggled to find auction topics to talk about on the pod book because, you know, when you do something repetition so much or, you know, you have familiarity or experience with something, um, it's kind of difficult to explain to somebody else because a lot of what's common sense to you is really foreign to them. So I tried to pick some topics that were just really high level. And easy to grasp and maybe give some people that are curious about auction and how it's going to go some um, discussion points or things to take away and think about from this discussion. But I want to encourage everyone who listens to this podcast to take away any questions with, you know, some level of specificity and send them back to us so we can answer them on the pod because it's very difficult to go into a broad discussion about auction because you could have questions about something that is just not even occurring to me. So I'll do my best to kind of walk through my baseline tips for auction and how to approach these drafts. And I'll use, you know, leverage buck to kind of bounce off ideas and help me and buck anything that you have top of mind for auction in terms of strategy, even though this is your first, you know, rookie auction draft, you've participated in several seasonal, auctions with me so you understand the format how it works and a bit about the strategy so let me know if there's anything that you want to discuss top of mind but I'll start with you know the basic understanding your league format so in a lot of ways you approach the auction draft like you would approach you know a rookie linear draft you have to understand how many players are starting at every position you know what the player valuations and positional values are. You have to understand those players scoring. If certain players get a bump, like if it's tight end premium, super, uh, super flats, et cetera, et cetera. And then you build your rankings around the league format and the league rules. And you appropriate your auction dollars and align it to those rankings. So, for instance, in auction, just like linear draft, the draft should pan out the same way the premium picks like the quarterbacks and the players that we have ranked in the top five of the rookie draft, those are going to be the players that we spend the most money on. Am I making sense so far, Buck? No, you are. So I use this example from 2020 in an auction draft where the number one overall pick was worth $200. Joe Burrow went for over $500. And this league is a little kinky because auction... Dollars carry over year over year. In Ace of Spades, the auction dollars will not carry over. So if you don't use it, you lose it. But it just puts into context, Buck, that just because you have the number one overall pick in an auction draft, that does not guarantee that you get the number one overall player on the board. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this goes back to what I've talked about or what I've tried to press to the league for the past several months. It's really important if you want to guarantee you get that top end talent in your rookie auction draft that you collect picks in that draft class. Because like I mentioned in the, uh, the 2020 draft, I was a part of where the first round pick was worth 200 bucks. Joe Burrow went for over $500. You can't get the one-on-one unless you have a collection of auction dollars. And the only way to get those in Ace of Spades is to trade for them. And that's why you see a GM like V's have such a stranglehold over this 2022 class because he has five first-round picks with several second-round picks. And, you know, Buck, you and Ant also have, you know, several hundred bucks in this auction. So, you know, you guys are going to have to approach you know, the draft very strategically since, you know, you have someone in the draft that can, that can severely outbid you for those top players. Any feedback on what I've touched on so far with the auction strategy and overview?
1: No, I think, I think you hit on it all. Like said, when, uh, when you said uh, about if you don't use the money, you lose it. It's kind of like uh, we were doing some drafts, like some seasonal drafts. And if you're leaving the draft with a lot of money, you're probably doing something wrong.
0: Yes. Yes, you you're really doing something wrong, especially in a rookie draft, because look, if you have a lot of picks in a, in a rookie auction, your team's probably in need of a lot of players. So you want to spend that money. There's no scared money in a rookie auction draft. And, Buck, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because it's a really important strategy aspect in the auction. You want to be aggressive and make sure you spend, but you don't want to overspend or spend on the wrong players. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so important to come into the auction with a strategy and a draft board, even more important than in a linear draft because in a linear draft is easy. Like last year, you knew if you had the 102, you were going to get some combination of Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance, period. Those were the top three picks in Superflex drafts. If you wanted to take Kyle Pitts there, you could. If you wanted to take Jamar Chase there, you could. If you wanted to take Najee there, you could. But you knew you were guaranteed one of those top three assets, one of those top three quarterbacks, if you so choose to pick them. In an auction, the strategy is so much more layered and nuanced. You could come in here with your $500 auction auction for 2022 buck, and you could say, look, I want Sam Howell. I do not want to leave this draft without Sam Howell. And V's has 1100 auction dollars. She could just bid $501 on Sam Howell and then you can't fucking get him. You know, so, yeah. what, so what you want to do is you want to come into the draft with a draft board and let's say you want to have your top 36 players and you don't have to assign a percentage of dollars per pick, but you want to have an idea in your head like, look, I have $500. I am going to bid up to $255 on Sam Howell. If somebody bids two fifty six, I'm out. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah.
0: So you have to have
1: like a plan B, you, plan C too you, in case you, that doesn't you happen.
0: have to have a plan B, C, D. You have to have a step by step process to pivot an auction because things change drastically. You know, we've done seasonal auctions where it's like, all right, we don't want DeAndre Swift or AJ Brown in this draft. And then AJ Brown is sitting there for twenty five dollars. On a $200 budget, and we're like, shit, we can't let him go for $25, put another dollar. You know what I mean? Yeah. So things change on the fly. You have to be ready to adjust. So it's going to be interesting to see all of you first-time rookie auctioneers navigate the draft. So first step and first piece of advice I can give, understand your league format, understand scoring, understand positional values, build your draft board, build your rankings, and have a dollar amount cap assigned to the players that you want and stick to your budget. You can't get into a bidding war on a player with somebody who has significantly more draft capital than you. Then you end up leaving the draft and you need four players. You end up leaving the draft with one. So you guys got to be strategic and really look at this from a high level and understand that You may not leave with the player you want, depending on who you're in a bidding war with. So that's first preparation, understanding your league format. Next, understanding the economy of the league, the cost of doing business, what each individual pick is worth. And why this is so important, Buck, is this is more pre-draft work. And maybe we should have talked about this first. You know, understanding the value of each pick. I don't think enough people have looked at those value charts. And this is one thing that Burke is going to have a huge leg up on. Because he is really, really involved with understanding these rookie pick values year over year, understanding which picks are worth what, mapping those compensatory picks into that strategy and understanding exactly how much money he's going to have in these drafts and what level he needs to get to in terms of pick acquisition in future drafts to where he can get a stranglehold on those draft classes as well. More people need to start studying up on that auction value chart and understanding where they are with their auction dollars and what they need to do to get to where they want to be in terms of buying power in whatever particular draft they're targeting. Does that make sense? It does. All right. Quick thoughts on that, Buck, if you have anything to add.
1: No, I think um I think you added it all, I would say, uh you study up on that and even like uh you could even like do some mocks and stuff. They're not gonna be obviously perfect, but just to even get yes. a feel, you know, you could you could do them when once the rookies are added into sleeper. We'll probably be well, I know we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Uh, in the future.
0: No, that's a really, really good point. And um, with the mocks in Sleeper, you can actually allocate. So let's say we're a couple of weeks before the draft and everyone knows how much auction money each individual GM has. You can actually plug that into a mock in Sleeper. And that'll give you an idea of how much each GM has and how much those players could potentially go for in a mock draft. So it's going to be, that's really good advice, Buck, to to run through some auctions. And you can even do it now, just kind of um, estimate based on the pick allocate, the current pick allocation in the league, who's going to have what amount of money and run through some mocks there and see like, Oh shit. Like I can't really afford Chris Olave, Or if I want to get Chris Olave, I probably got to get like 50 more dollars in auction, you know? So prepare with a draft board, run through some mocks, understand the league's economy and the cost of doing business and understanding your league format, scoring, positional values, the same fundamentals that we use to attack linear drafts. It's the same thing. We're just adding a few more layers. And that's what I love about auction. It, it adds a bit of nuance and strategy, additional layer of strategy to, you know, a pretty pre-baked out process with the linear draft. I just think they're boring. You know what I mean? If you're shitty, you get the number one overall pick, and that's it. Yeah. I don't You know.
1: It's there. they're kinda uh, they're getting outdated.
0: They're getting dated. Yeah. Let's let's make people, you know, let's make people who finish in last place work for their rebuild, man.
1: You
0: <laughs> know. No fucking last place in twenty eighteen you just get Saquon Barkley, you know? Unless <laughs> you know, um you traded the pick. But yeah, so I, I think I think those are good those are good places to start. The last bullet point I have here is just be strategic, but we kinda touched on it a little bit with, you know, the preparation. Um, but I will talk about, you know, nominations, one thing for new auction drafters, you in Buck, why don't you take this? Why don't you take this? Okay. Because you, you're, you're really, you're really good at this. Actually. Why don't you talk about nominations and auction?
1: Yeah. So, uh, obviously like you, you get, a you have like a slot, uh, where you get, when you get to nominate a player. And you get to just nominate him up for bid. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have the player. You just put him – you get to choose what player comes next. And uh, you could find, like, edges in that and stuff. I will say one thing you have to know that I kind of – I almost slipped up on in one of our seasonal leagues is when you nominate a player – you have to know that you end up with that player if no one wants them. So if you want to try to be slick with some fifth round rookie pick, <laughs> rookie pick player, and you want to nominate him early in the draft and no one's bidding a $1, dollar, you're stuck with his sorry ass. So you need to make sure you're actually nominating like some legitimate like players that people are going to bid on because you do get the player. You do get stuck with a player. if There's no, nobody else bids on him.
0: Okay. So everybody listen to what Buck just said. That's really important to replay that part of the podcast if you have to. So, The reason that this is so, so important with sleeper auction and even more important in a rookie auction is we have a finite amount of slots for the rookie auction and I'll open it up to as many as we possibly can. I haven't even thought far enough ahead to how I'm going to do this, but uh, in a seasonal draft, we have like 20 slots and you have your set amount of auction dollars and no matter how much money you have left over after those 20 slots are filled, you can no longer bid on players like it's over. So let's say you're being cute in the draft buck, and you nominate Larry Roundtree and Anthony Schwartz and nobody bids more than a dollar or $10, whatever dollar amount you use to nominate the player. That's taking up two slots in your player pool. From other players you could potentially bid on that you would actually want to have on your dynasty roster.
1: Yeah, I've uh, I, we've seen people do it in seasonal leagues, doing it with uh, Ramondre Stevenson, yeah, and then just getting just getting fucked, and they have to drop the player. So yeah,
0: so it, it works when you know it's maybe it's a player that you're on the fence on, and you wouldn't be disappointed to have on your roster, you nominate them for five bucks and then nobody bids six and you're stuck with them. But there's a limited amount of players that you can roster, you know, during the auction draft, it's all built into the, it's all within the framework of uh sleeper. So let's say we can add up to eight players in the auction. I'm assuming it'll be like around seven or eight. Like you got, we can vote on how many you want to be able to add Uh players like V's like need a full fucking starting lineup. So maybe we can go up to 10, like, I don't know, but just be careful not to get players that you don't want because you know, the nomination, you know, element is a part of strategy, you know. Um, And I'm sure Buck doesn't want to share like all his strategies on the podcast. You guys have to find those for yourselves. But there's there's a strategic element to the nomination uh, uh, aspect. So sometimes you don't want to always nominate the players you want. uh, And sometimes you do. It just depends on what stage in the draft you're in. And, you know, Buck, it's really difficult for me to bite my tongue and talk like deeper about (laughs) this, but... You know, I really want everybody to do their own research and I don't want to give away any edges, but you guys really got to do your research on auction and understand that it's a very nuanced draft process and, um, you want to be prepared and you want to come in with a baked out strategy and you want to stick to it as much as you can. But if it's advantageous to pivot during the draft, be agile and be willing to switch. Um, so have your been strategy ready be ready for some in-draft trading. Like I mentioned this to Buck offline, but if you're sitting there and your roster is already filled or you got one more player uh, slot left in, in the rookie draft and you've got like $50 in auction left um, and you see, you know, Tyreek has Robert Woods on the trade block, you know, you could send that fifty dollars you have left of your auction dollars for you know a player on somebody else's team so there there's just so many so many routes you can take in the auction like there there will be people that still want players that are on the board during the auction, and maybe you're not interested in those players and those rookies, but you're interested in the player that they have and they need some extra auction dollars to bid up. In competition with somebody else, we stop the clock. Let you guys work that trade out. You trade that those auction funds mid draft, and you go get, you know, in Bucks' case, you go get your Sam Howell, you know. So there, there's there's so many things you can do within the framework of the auction, and I'm really really excited to get into it for the first year. Ace of Space, just don't be on no boring ass lame ass shit, y'all, in the draft. Just like, you know. I could just see Ace of Spades fucking this up, man. Like, some <laughs> somebody being too cocky and just trying to outbid everybody, or somebody being cheap and leaving with a hundred bucks. Like, it's just gonna be really interesting to see how you guys do it during your first auction. But do your research. That's that's what I can. That's the best piece of advice I can give. But I, I think we've given some really good points and, and really good advice um, for auction. Buck, did you have
1: anything else to add? No, I think you hit it on all. Uh, yeah, I mean, and we got, still got a lot of time. until the draft so i'm sure we'll be talking about it more and uh and and we'll know once especially once we start to get like a better grasp on who really are like who the players really are and we'll start to be able to like kind of put values to those picks kind of like when you get to finally put names to rookie picks we'll kind of start to understand that so yeah you know i'm excited for it i'm actually i'm starting to get pretty hyped for it
0: i'm super excited bro i don't even have any i don't even have any cash bro I mean, me and Kurt are the only dudes here with no money, and Danny has $20 in auction. Oh, one last thing. One last thing. This is actually very important. And we're actually going to wrap this up before 40 minutes. This is good because I think this is a really, really valuable episode. When you're Look, just because you have one pick in a draft class or two picks in a draft class or you only have a second-round pick or a a second-and-a-third-round pick in a draft class, that doesn't mean you have to punt that draft class entirely. Obviously... What is optimal is leveraging and stacking as many picks as possible in one draft class because it gives you, you know, control and buying power uh, in terms of of getting the prospects that you really want. But that doesn't mean that if you have only $80 in a particular auction draft that you're not going to be able to come away with a player. You can still get players in auction for some of the reasons that we mentioned earlier, you know, people overbidding and being stuck with, you know, um, uh, a bunch of players they didn't necessarily want coming in. And then you're left with some of the back end, you know, second round players or early third round players or whatever. Uh, And there's going to be situations where people just bid on every player that gets nominated and then they fill their team while leaving some of the higher value players on the board still. And then you have an opportunity, even though you have less auction dollars, just by the way that the auction panned out, some players are left over that you're getting at a discount because they were nominated late. So don't completely punt on a draft just because V's has, you know, five first round picks. You guys can still get in these draft classes and make something shake. I don't want people to just be so scared money like every year, like I only have a first. Let me sell it. You don't have to. Um, That's my strategy. It doesn't mean it's the only strategy. So I wanted to throw that out there and just, you know, everybody want to be like Mike, bro. But um, y'all can build different different strategies, you know, like y'all can do your own thing and, and um, you know, spread those picks out over years or you know, get a few second round picks and try to get, you know, try to finesse your way into getting a player. Like let, every, let everybody else bid on the top, you know, 15 players and you get player 18, player 19, or, you know, maybe player 13 slipped through the cracks in the auction. And you get him late when everybody already spent their money. Like there's just so many ways that you can, um, um, you know, come away from the auction with profit. You don't always have to come in with, with 1100 auction dollars like these to leave with a good player. So just keep that in mind. I know it's a lot to digest. This is probably a pod that you guys are going to want to come back to or listen to a couple times because I think it's a a lot of good information here. But we'll spin off a couple more of these. Like Buck mentioned, it's still really, really early. The draft isn't going to be until a week after the NFL draft. That's another important nugget. We were going to do it on draft night like we did last year. But with this being the very first year of a rookie auction for Ace of Spades, we've decided to move the Ace of Spades rookie draft to a week after the NFL draft, at least, just to give GMs extra time to prepare for something new. Any last words, Buck, on auction?
1: Yeah, just, uh, just to piggyback. You know, I just like value, like you said, values could be had. Just like a player could fall in a in a snake draft or a linear linear draft you could end up getting a value like that in a, in a rookie draft. That's why it's a, a rookie option. Draft. That's why it's good to just kind of keep your options open and like always have money. Cause values could happen mm-hmm. just like players could fall in, in a regular rookie draft.
0: 100%. Unless you're Danny and got like 20 bucks. No, I'm kidding. You can still get a third <laughs> rounder with that. So yeah, what, what, what Buck said is, is a hundred percent correct. And I encourage people to dip back into the draft. If you can, like don't let people having, um, uh, a ton of picks in one draft class, you know, preclude you from acquiring picks as well. If you can get a couple, you know, you know, buck value is king, right? So if somebody wants to offer you 2 20, seconds for a player that you're interested in selling, like, you're going to take that trade. You'll figure out what to do with the picks later, right? Yeah. And if that means you have to hold them and get into the 22 draft class, I mean, it's better than holding a player that was going to die in your roster anyway. You know, V's can't get every player in the fucking draft, no matter how much capital he has. So just keep that in mind when you're working on your strategy. Like, don't be nervous. I think Chris said something that was really profound about this, you know, uh, about this year's auction. He said so many people are fading this 2022 auction. Some of these, like, picks and players are going to be their values at this point. You know what I mean, Buck? Yeah. (laughs) Like, so many people are out on this draft. It's kind of like an opportunity to get back in. Um, because everybody's so scared Of like UVs and ant Like and all the money That y'all have But I thought that was A really good nugget by Chris Anyway we'll wrap up here bro That's the show <sighs> I'm rambling man Drop the outro I'll at you boys later Thanks for listening To the bonus episode And remember It's up there Turn this shit up eh? And it's still Stuck there Peace